As always, it's so good to be with you. How are we doing, church? Hey, do you have a good Christmas dinner? All the leftovers gone, huh? You know, they, they probably are by now, or they may be turning green. But uh, you know what I've found is there's nothing, you know, that's the nice thing about leftovers. There's nothing like the remnants of a spiral ham with a pot of soup beans and piping hot cornbread. You ever had it? It's good. Oh, it's good. Well, today we're celebrating the Feast of the Holy Family. And it, it seems appropriate in this special emphasis that we spend some time focusing on how to grow healthier families. How to grow healthier families. Now, make no mistake about it. Families face a lot of challenges today. All families face a lot of challenges today. And all you have to do really to confirm that, you don't have to go outside your house. All you gotta do is look within the walls of your house and you'll realize, yeah, that's true. That's true, I got problems. We all got problems, don't we? Well, the Lord realizes that and what he wants to do is to assist us in becoming stronger families. God's always about good. And being a strong family is good. So what we're going to do is we're going to use the second reading this evening as our framework because the early, the early Christians, the uh, Christian scholars referred to the passages that Bill read tonight as the code of guidelines for maintaining healthy households. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, let's look at it. The first thing that Paul says to the church at Colossae is to relate to one another in a Christ-like manner. Relate, that's the key word. Relate relationships. Healthy relationships are everything in a family. I mean, that's it. You've got to have a healthy relationship if you want to have a healthy family. Uh, that's why Paul says, First of all, he says, not only here, but he also repeats this in a couple of other his letters. He says, put on the mind of Christ. He says, take off the old mind, you know, take off the flesh and put on the mind of Christ. And when you put on the mind of Christ, take off the old things of the flesh and clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience because these are the things that are on the mind of Christ. When you practice these virtues, you're practicing the mind of Christ. And because we have accepted the Lord into our lives, we now have the mind of Christ and how powerful that is. Now, putting this wisdom into practice is particularly challenging for families today. And that's the case because culture teaches us that the focus is on what you want. It's what I want. It's my personal fulfillment. It's, you know, I was thinking about it. Advertising has done a really good job. We're here to give you whatever you want. Well, you know what? Maybe that'll work when you're buying a car. It won't work in a family. <laughs> it really won't. What's, uh, what's family relationships? Well, I call them the family mode. It's the family mode. That's what we as Christians are called to. And the family mode is about living in relationships where the focus is on desiring what's best for the family as a whole. 
for the family as a whole. That's, you know, that goes for everything, doesn't it? Isn't that what our motto is? United we stand, divided we, f I mean, you know, it goes on and on. That's right. It's looking at the whole. It's not looking at necessarily what we want and everything has to go our way. The second thing he says that's very powerful, he says, perfect these virtues through love. Now, virtues are good things. Virtues are what I call good habits. That's what a virtue is. It's, it's a spiritual gift from God, and it's something that we take and we put on and apply. And so we may put on compassion. We may put on humility. We may put on gentleness, you know, all of the different garments. But Paul hits the nail on the head, just like he does in his letter to, to uh, the Corinthians. He says, but you have to bind it all together. It's sort of like a belt. You know, I'd be in trouble if I didn't wear a belt, you know. Uh, bind it together with what? Love. Didn't Paul say, if, if I can do all the wondrous things of the world, I don't have love, I don't have anything. So you have to bind it with love. And not just any kind of love, but godly love. Christ-like love. It is love, the love that comes from God that perfects gentleness towards your spouse or your siblings. It is love that causes you to be a more patient parent. It is the love of God that enables you to honor and obey your parents. You have to bind it together with love. Third thing he says is be at peace in your heart. You know what? We're talking about how to grow healthy family relationships. It's really hard to have a healthy family relationship when you harbor anger towards a family member. You ever tried to do that? Oh man, that's a hard one to do, isn't it? Or in today's world, it's just being angry in general. You know, everybody's angry in general. Has this ever happened in your family? Probably not. It has mine. But you have a bad day at work or a bad day at school and you're full of anger. What do you do? You come home and you release it. You take it out on those you love the most. You ever done that? Oh, I'm mad. I know. Anger, anger will destroy a family. Refuse to allow anger to take root in your family. Isn't that what we heard in the scriptures today? Well, yeah, that's what we heard. Instead, what does Paul said? He said, instead of anger, let the rule of Christ rule supremely in your heart. That's the supreme rule. The peace of Christ rule in your life. And we can do that because we can put on the mind of Christ as it goes back to what he said. See, we have the power of the Holy Spirit working within us so that we can put on this mind of Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit binding our family together in ways that it would be utterly impossible to do otherwise. It just wouldn't be possible. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So rid yourself of all anger. The fifth thing he says is give thanks. Now this is an interesting one. If you look at it in the passage, he says, do it. He says, give thanks twice. 
Others, he just says them once. This one, give thanks. There's something about Paul saying how important thankfulness is in the family. That's exactly what he's doing. And remember this. Every person in the family brings something to the table that the family can be thankful for. You believe that? There is not, you know, everybody's not all bad. There's something that every family member, and what we're to do is to be thankful for it. And when we express our thanks to a spouse, to a parent, to a child or sibling, what we are doing is we are acknowledging to them their worth, how valuable, how important they are in the overall health and the well-being of our family. Give thanks. Let me ask you a real simple one. This is one of the easiest ones to do. When was the last time you hugged a family member and told them you loved them? You know how easy that is? You know how much time that takes? How much thought you have to put in that? About none. Does it make a difference in their day? Yeah, it does. And not only, you have to remember this, it's not only siblings and, and parents and spouses, but it's also the dog, the cat, the hamster, and the bird, okay? They like to be, they're probably the ones that like it the most, don't they? <laughs> My dog does, I know that. The fifth thing is this, feast upon God's word. I love God's word. God's Word is real, it's active, it's alive, it's dynamic, it's life-giving, it's inspiring. It's everything that's good. That's God's Word. Some of the jewels, I call them jewels that we find in these readings today about having healthy family relationships. What do they say? Or what do they say? Honor your father and mother. That's a good one, isn't it? Don't grieve, or maybe in modern-day world, is scream. We have a tendency to scream at our, at our parents or scream at our sibling or parents doing vice versa kind of thing, you know. He says, don't do that. Be considerate. I like this one a lot because I'm getting there. Take care of and be patient with the elderly in your family, especially when their mind begins to fail. I'm, I'm starting to experience that. And I tell you what, it takes a lot of patience to put up with that. It really does. It takes a lot of patience. I like that. That's in the Bible. Isn't that good? I can say, hey, I'll quote you a scripture here. It says, you're supposed to be kind to me because I can't remember everything. I like this one. Be submissive to each other. Submission's got a negative uh, rap today. Be submissive to each other. Humble yourself before each other. That's a good thing. Humility is a good thing. Submission is a good thing. Harbor no bitterness, Paul says, against another person. This is a good one. Refrain from insulting your children. Isn't that good? You ever called your child stupid? You ever said you're ignorant, you'll never amount to anything? My dad told me that all the time. <laughs> you know what? I believed him. 
It took me years to work out of that, that I'm not totally stupid. I'm not totally ignorant. And that I can do something. Look here, I'm a priest. I think that counts for something, doesn't it? (laughs) But it took me years to work through that. Don't do that. Don't tell your child. Don't provoke them to anger because you're mad. Don't do that. Don't insult your children. It's really a no-brainer that when we apply these jewels to our lives, family life improves. Well, let's go on so we're about done here. The sixth thing is this, and I like this one the best. This is my favorite one. Believe that God will work out your family problems to the best possible good. Now, I like that one. We've already established that all families have problems. If you don't, come see me after Mass, because I want to know what your secret is. <laughs> all families have problems. You know, it's even true of the Holy Family. Oh, yeah, it's true of the Holy... Of the, read, read what happened to him right off the bat. Let me give you a couple examples. Just right after Jesus' birth, the Holy Family had to go to Egypt and lived there as political refugees. Herod heard that the Messiah was being born. He said, I want you to slaughter every young male child. What'd they do? Well, the angel said, get up and go, buddy. (laughs) That's what he said. And they had to flee their hometown. That's bad. That's a downer, isn't it? But after King Herod died, they were able to return to Israel But his son took his place, and he wasn't as tough. But he was tough about it. And what'd they do? Well, they had to go settle in Galilee. They had to go live in a place of total obscurity, where nobody knew anybody, and nobody cared about anybody's business and anything like that. But you know what happened? Because they lived in obscurity, Jesus was able to live a life and grow up in a life without fear. That's good, isn't it? Do you see? Everything that happens to you, if you believe the Scripture, God is going to take it and use it to the best good possible. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Let's look at today's Gospel reading. Well, Jesus was presented in the temple. Oh, man, Anna and Simeon came up. They were filled with the Holy Spirit when they saw that baby. Oh, my God. Simeon started to prophesy. You know what he told the mother, Mary? He said, Mary, it's going to feel like a sword piercing your heart one day when you see your son suffering. That's bad, ain't it? There's nothing worse than a mother seeing her child suffer severely. That's bad, isn't it? But then what did he say? But he said, with that will come salvation for all those who receive. What's that? That's good. Isn't it? It's good. Remember always that God will work to bring out the most possible good from any situation. He guarantees it. Final thing is give Jesus your whole life. 
Now this one comes from uh, Paul, again, for the church, Colossae. It's a key that unlocks everything that we've talked about. It's the key. What does he say? Boy, he just says it succinctly. He says, whatever you do, whether in action, whether in word, what, how do you do it? Do it in Jesus' name. There's power in the name of Jesus. On behalf of Jesus. What do we do? We're gonna, what do you think that when we pray these prayers of the faithful minute, what are we going to do? We do this every Mass. In Jesus' name we pray. That's what we do. Why do we do? Because Jesus told us to pray that way. He said, we pray, pray in my name. That's why we do it. So whatever we do, we do in Jesus' name, or what you might call we do it on his behalf. Let's try this one out for size, and we'll end right here. Have you ever tried to love your spouse on Jesus' behalf? You ever tried to do that? I can't do it, but Jesus can. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Hey, let's face it. Sometimes we can't stand each other, right? I mean, I can't. Sometimes it happens to me, I'll be honest. But I can do it on Jesus' behalf. And it makes a difference. You see what a difference it makes when we do things in the name of Jesus? And here's what really makes the point. Have you ever tried to hate your spouse on Jesus' behalf. You ever done that? Well, that's not possible. How can you hate your spouse? We just heard a while ago in the Scripture, forgive. Isn't that what Jesus just said? Well, you can't do that, can you? And I, I guess that's what Paul's point is, isn't it? Well, God bless all of you and eat more beans and cornbread. <laughs>